0: Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. I'm Mary Vandenack, founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver LLC. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about legal and tax issues, trusts and estates, business succession and exit planning, legal technology, law practice management and leadership, and well being. First, I want to thank our sponsors Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans Victory Housing and Business Centers, and Carson Private Client. Here's a message from Interactive Legal.
2: Technology has become an essential part of our daily lives. However, not all fields have embraced technology. Lawyers, especially estate planning attorneys, need to stay up to date with specific laws and any issues affecting taxes and wealth preservation. Implementing an automated drafting system can help lawyers spend more time with their clients and less time doing back office tasks estate planners and law professionals turn to interactive legal as their main resource for the latest planning strategies interactive legal provides the most comprehensive productivity system on the market with an easy-to-use document drafting system extensive continuing education thought-provoking discussion forums and more with interactive legal attorneys get to spend more time with their clients it's time to connect collaborate and create To learn more about Interactive Legal, visit InteractiveLegal.com.
0: Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth, Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth, giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402 779 8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory service is offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor.
1: On today's episode, my guest is Zach Ritchie. Zach is a CFP with private wealth asset management. Zach helps families with complex wealth in avoiding unintended consequences of critical decisions. He works with business owners and entrepreneurs to assist with multi-generational wealth transfer planning, sale transactions, complex cash flow, and tax planning and intentional philanthropic planning. In 2022, Zach was recognized in Forbes magazine as a top next-gen wealth advisor. He is rated number 26 in America and number one in Nebraska. He proudly supports a variety of organizations, and I love this part of your bio, including Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, and Habitat for Humanity. Thanks for your your service in that area, Zach. I asked Zach to participate today to discuss one of my favorite topics, which he mentioned as we were getting ready Mm -hmm. for this episode, but it's multi-generational wealth transfer planning. Thanks for joining me today, Zach.
3: Thanks so much for having me, Mary. Uh, You know, this is a really interesting subject because statistics show that of of the wealthy families, 70% of their wealth is not there any longer after second generation. And if you bring it to the third generation, it's 90% of their wealth is gone by the time you get to the third generation. So it's a huge subject that um, most people just can't figure out the right way.
1: I'd say that what I was taught early in my career was that the first generation starts the business, the second builds, and the third destroys. But I will say that I'm very <laughs> grateful to tell you that I represent some fourth and fifth generation business. So that's not always the case. And part of our discussion will be, you know, how do you not be one of those statistics? Let's talk about what is the definition of
3: multi-generational wealth? So I think at its core, it just is, it's life-changing wealth that can not only benefit your family today, but generations to come. And when you peel that layer back just a little bit more, you have families, like you spoke about, in fourth generation. So the multi-generational family that is functioning on that second generation's wealth or the the wealth before them or wherever that is in that path. Uh, Just like you, I have a few clients as well that now we're on fourth generation. And I'll tell some stories as we go on today about them, but the second fold could be those that are the wealth creators now that are really thinking about, should I be thinking about the next generation? How can I make the best decisions as we look at estate planning and and uh, wealth transfer strategies? So I think those are the other two that you can really dive into where successes and failures have happened.
1: So wealth transfers have been a really popular topic and I, have done some other episodes on this particular issue. And we have this really high lifetime exemption that is set to sunset. And so there's been a lot of, oh, you should make those wealth transfers now. And I would tell you that having been a few rounds of what I call the bipolar estate tax exemption, so once upon a time it was somewhat predictable, And then it's like—and people tend to think it's one party or the other, but I always point out that the exemption is changed when Democrats are under control as well as when Republicans are under control. So the estate tax and the exemption that goes with it has just been subject to being tossed around in a way that makes it very unpredictable. So when you consider the unpredictability of what's going on congressionally with the exemption, and you consider— you know the economy goes up and down and things change. Is there a dollar amount that somebody should have for them to start thinking about a wealth transfer?
3: Well, many times you can think about how can you solve for taxes only, right? And how can you be most efficient with transferring wealth? If you sit down with an uh, state planner or a CPA, they can figure that out really easily, right? And that's when that um, thirteen million or twelve point nine two per person, so close to $26 million right now seems like a really good area to start thinking about it, especially with the sunset that's going to slash that in half you know, if, if all, all happens accordingly um, in, in 2026. That's if you're just solving for, for a tax problem or a state tax. Um, so I think, yes, you should start thinking about there, but it's all dependent upon the needs and the wants of the family. Um, I work with a family out of Tennessee that has a net worth somewhere around ten million, and they have liquidity around five. Well, they have a want to be able to have their wealth that 's been created to pass on to their grandchildren and after that that 's really important for them. They started from absolutely nothing. I have a family similar net worth that is probably going to spend they have a goal of spending most of their wealth in their lifetime. That might not be a good candidate for generational wealth transfer strategies. If you just thought about estate planning and tax techniques, it might not have aligned with their goals. So when you're thinking about multi generative wealth transfer, what's the net worth that you should start thinking about it? It just depends. But if we want to think about when I'm I'm spending most of my time with clients and we're executing strategies, it's in that $20 million plus range.
1: And in that $20 million plus range, the strategies are usually different than 100 million plus clients. But the point you make that I think is really important is that wealth transfer planning isn't just about taxes. And as much as I'm a tax geek and love everything about tax planning, I recognize that the most important thing I can do is – have clients focus on the non-financial factors in the wealth transfer planning. I have some clients that are truly all they care about is paying the least possible amount to the internal revenue service, whatever it takes. And so then we're doing charitable strategies that even though they're not charitable or whatever the case might be, that's truly what I've learned some clients are. Then some clients are very much, There's. I've seen a significant trend of not wanting to have trust fund babies and they want to see their kids succeed. So designing incentive plans that happy to help you if you're starting a business, doing things like that, not happy to help you do other things. So it's really knowing what those non-financial factors are and figuring out whether, one, which one takes priority as well as where you are at in the dollar amount. And I think a great point you made was that You can have a family with family one with the exact same net worth as family two. And that net worth can be significant. And it's right for family number one to make those wealth transfers and not for family number two. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? So let's talk about a lot of the clients you work with in doing these strategies are business owners. Is that accurate? Most definitely. And so what are kind of the motivating factors when a business owner will say, I want to pursue a wealth transfer strategy, is there a tar- particular motivator?
3: Well, many times they just can't fathom spending that amount of money in their lifetime, or they, they really have a specific goal that they, they want to see a legacy created. Um, and many times they do have family members or they have a, a very strong philanthropic intent. Um, to give you an example, I mean, we just had a conversation today. Uh, this gentleman, brilliant. He's, he's a doctor, um, optometrist, and has created a really unique company in therapeutics and has some novel um, assets that, um, that are going to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And um, in this case, we were reviewing just new relationship to our firm and reviewing his 41-year-old will and testament that he's created, okay? So a guy worth, you know, upwards of 200 to 500 million, depending on uh, the liquidity events of this company, has a, just a will and testament. That's it. And you think, why, why do you have the most upside potential or unique planning opportunities that you can do for business owners? It's because many times the valuation of that company today is going to be a lot lower than what it is going to be tomorrow or um, a year down the road or three years down the road. So that's where you can start having those gifting conversations now. But the biggest thing that these business owners have done typically well um, in their lifetime is they've been been able to maintain some sort of control over their destiny. They're their own boss. They're their own leader. And they've made really impactful decisions in their lifetime. So when you start talking about gifting assets or something that they've created, those discussions um, take a lot of education on on how they can maintain control and how they can avoid the unintended consequences of giving too much wealth or how much that is.
1: So an, And then exploration of their objectives. And I think when you start talking about wealth transfers, even some business owners who have businesses worth significant amounts of money— don't necessarily see themselves as wealthy as they are because the value in their business. And they might not have a lot of cash assets outside that business. Mm-hmm. So the concept of transferring the wealth, they're not sitting on hundreds of millions or $10 million even necessarily in cash, depending on their structure. So I, I see that come up. And I think the other thing is, too, that business owners are really focused on building their business. And usually those who do well a lot of times have something they're passionate about. So you use the example of a professional as an op- Tom, optometrist or ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist yeah. an ophthalmologist who develops some stuff. And, you know, there we've seen that in the cosmeceutical industry where somebody comes up with a skincare product. A lot of times those professionals are really dedicated to their profession. They're focused on the profession and talking to them about tax and wealth transfer strategies is like, Oh, let me just like, you know, go get a root canal instead of talking to you. So one of the things is to make the strategy simple. Is that something that you think helps?
3: That is so funny that you said root canal because he actually <laughs> said those exact words today. That is, That's so odd. Um, so it can be very painful and you can overwhelm clients really easily. So It just depends on the person and the family you're speaking to and how best you can take steps to educate. In this case um, that I was just talking about, just having the will and testament, there's some really easy steps to take to clean up his plan currently and learn more about, how he wants to benefit the next generation. But you start talking uh, complex trusts and advanced wealth transfer strategies, you just have to take it step-by-step for education. But it is all about the goals. We can go in and create the most tax-efficient structure for that client, but it might not align specifically to that that person's goals. What we heard today, uh, just as a, a, a separate side note, is that he has a, a family property that he's super passionate about. He was more focused on how he can keep that and his family for the long term, and be able to fund that for maintenance and expenses, and you know, create an uh, an agreement, whether an LLC or something like that, so it can live on through generations. Then he was thinking about this company and how to how to give shares away. So maybe just starting from an education piece on that, then we can we can dive more into the business the business planning.
1: Well, and as a planner, what I note is making sure we recognize what is really important to the client. And if that focus is that family property versus our other great strategies is I think we have to make sure to address that. And I think sometimes that like my root canal thing is what I explain. That's how I train my associates. Honestly, I say, you know, I know we all love our like tax geek talk, but when people come in to see us. It is like getting a root canal. They're not necessarily (laughs) excited about it. So remember that. And that's one of the things I love, ChatGPT. You and I could have a really fun conversation about a dynasty trust, right? But explaining that to a client or introducing the concept of generational wealth, the simplest we can keep it is in building that foundation. Is that fair? Like you start with, okay, let's take care of the foundation. If the most important objective is taking care of the family property, let's get that taken care of make sure if you have minor kids that you have guardians named for your kids too, right? Simple things like that, that we sometimes have to back into and make sure. Well, let's do those since we do love the strategy. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about our current favorites. What are your current favorite strategies for wealth transfer planning?
3: So going back on the subject we were talking about, what is an appreciating asset in in that person's life? And so on business owners, as, as you mentioned, you've seen it all the time, most of their wealth, is is in that business. Um, they might not have a ton of other appreciating assets or liquidity at that point. So you really start thinking about the ownership and the goal for that company. And if the goal is, whether it's preparing it for liqui- a liquidity event, you know, selling the company, or passing the ownership in a different way, you really want to think about how can you capture that valuation in today's world and be able to shelter that or move that out of your estate at that time? And can how can you do that by maintaining your same control? That's always really important.
1: Control is often really important. I love doing, like, the preferred partnership freezes, and I was first involved in those and thought, oh, I can't keep control. But you actually still can, and that does matter. But I did just want to footnote one thing you said, which is these businesses they've had, they're appreciating assets. So from a tax perspective, they often have a zero basis. So if they've grown that business to 100 million bucks, we're talking about $100 million of gain. Exactly. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors.
0: Financial advice is useless without empathy. At Foster Group, we want to hear your story, your goals, your worries about the future. Only then can we help you feel confident about all aspects of your financial life. Come experience how it feels to be truly cared for at Foster Group. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com.
1: Okay, let's continue our episode. So any particular technique that yeah, you would so, identify as your favorite?
3: So the first one you want to look at is doing some sort of recapping the company. What we've been seeing a lot is then creating new share classes. So with that share class, you could maintain a, a 1% voting interest, but that it might be the majority or the only voting share for that company. And then maybe 99% of it is gifted in some sort of advanced trust strategy. Now, what we've seen... Um, the most being used, especially with this high exemption amount. I'll just give you an example. We had a, um, a $30 million valuation business. This was just probably three or four years ago. Um, we were able to take discounts on lack of marketability to then be able to back into the uh, estate tax exemption amount at that time. So we used their full exemption amount at, at that moment of time. Um, the company recently sold for over $200 million. So what that means is that that client was able to take all of that um, non-voting interest or the vast majority of the ownership in that company, take it outside of his estate, let that grow estate tax-free, maintain control of the decisions of that company going to a liquidity event, and then within that trust platform, you're looking at um, intentionally defective grantor trusts. And in this case, it was in a SLAT format because it was a husband and a wife that were able to create virtually mirrored so trust. So if you don't
1: mind, so those of us who do this for a living, we use terms like SLAT, which is an acronym. But would you just mind saying what that
3: is? A spousal limited access trust. Thank
1: you. And so basically, I create a trust for my spouse. My spouse has mm-hmm. access. Assuming I stay married to my spouse. I potentially have the benefit of my spouse's access. And it's a way of putting that asset in an irrevocable strategy, but yet having some ability to access the income.
3: Right. Which,
1: Mm -hmm. if you have enough money, forget the spousal access (laughs) and the risks that go with it. So you use that more often when somebody is a little closer to the exemption amounts. Is that a fair statement?
3: Very fair statement, yes.
1: Okay, so we're kind of talking, and I just want to mention... The you know when you talked about that client that sold for hundreds of millions, if they had a zero basis, that's a huge gain. And what some people say is, when you make these gifts, it's a transferred basis. So if I give, and we just had an IRS ruling on that because we were all arguing about that, right? And some of us were trying to take the position that you had to step up in basis upon death if you used an IGIT. The IRS has now said absolutely not. Okay, so. When you transfer that basis, people say, well, then that basis transfers, my kids have to pay in all that gain. But the estate tax, 40 percent, capital gains, 20 percent. There's some ins and outs to that, right? And there's some states with no estate taxes, et cetera. But that's the general rule. Now, that 40 percent might be down the road. So it's a matter of what I call is I like to do the math. But is there anything, and I do want to mention the one way around that is if you enter, go into a qualified opportunity fund, right? After 10 years, you have a step up in basis. So that's a great strategy to use with an IGIT. But do you have any other favorite strategies? I mean, that what you mentioned is one of mine, is the recap of the business mm-hmm. and then transitioning like your non-voting shares to an IGIT.
3: You know, another thing, we've just been talking about businesses specifically, I think about something that we did for a client um, not too long ago, and it was in a Dynasty Trust format. So this was a family that has um, had Berkshire A at a $24, $25 basis. So for those that don't know what Berkshire A is trading at, it's over $400,000, so very low basis um, stock. And we were able to create an LLC that actually owned that um, that investment account or those shares of, of Berkshire, and in similar ways that we discounted the um, the company that we just talked about earlier, you can do the same thing, um, creating lack of marketability or the ownership structure at that point to be able to take valuation discounts uh, to back into. As long as you have a business
1: to purpose to that LLC, so the the discounts are a little tougher. In the Berkshire Hathaway situation can be done, but my just cautionary tale would be make sure you create a business purpose to the business entity before you give it. And there's some really great strategies. John Porter is one of my favorite presenters on that topic in terms of how to make sure that you can qualify that. So some people will tell you, I'm glad to hear you say that you can do that strategy. Some will say don't do it because of, but if done right, it's a perfect strategy. It works. So... Um, we were talking about the estate tax savings. Are there any mm-hmm. st- other strategies you want to throw out on that note?
3: Yeah, I mean there, there's a lot, Mary and um, with where several
1: episodes <laughs> worth. so yeah, maybe focus on your favorite.
3: I would say that those are those are definitely a top favorite for um, very large wealth families. but the people that are listening to that have a um, have a goal, you just can't forget about um, how much the lifetime exemption amount just rose this year right? Um, you'll have to, you'll have to uh, give me the exact number, but I think it's close to $700,000 um, with inflation. That Correct. Grew from, that the
1: increase of the full, the full exemption. I thought, okay, yes. Yeah,
3: So the full exemption actually rose 700000 yeah. this year. Plus you have the $17,000 you can give as many people as, as you want. So um, it seems like a, a big step sometimes to take with these irrevocable trusts and more advanced wealth for wealth transfer strategies but just to start you could start looking at what is the annual exemption amount and what did your lifetime exemption amount go up if you've already used that amount and there's different ways that you can start to to use that as well mary
1: so you have the lifetime exemption and one thing that and because i know and we have Fortunately, I have episodes on most of the strategies where we'll talk about it the whole time, but I wanted to know kind of your favorites and current trends. But so for any listener who wants to know more details, we have several episodes out there. But the other one is, so sometimes like I have clients who have used their full lifetime exemption, and then we have things like GRATs and the charitable yeah. type gifting and things like and that. Especially
3: There's- with where interest rates are today, too. We're seeing GRATs come back and then charitable... Remainder trusts and um, a lot of different strategies to use around that. That too. we
1: haven't seen since our last higher interest rate era, right? <laughs> yeah. we, we keep running the numbers, but they haven't worked as well. So you're right. I've used a few, but not nearly as many. And they are coming back. So there's some, one of the things that you said that we really need to pay attention to is we can get very focused on our wealth transfer strategies, but there's sometimes some unintended consequences, so what are the key things that families should think about to avoid unintended consequences and maybe give a specific example or two?
3: Yeah, I mean, we've seen uh, spendthrifts and we've seen people that have um, used the the trust that they're beneficiaries of um, to really not benefit their lives. And it's it's been pretty sad. Some of the things that we've seen that have been an unintended consequence, um, I would say that um, outright gifts are, are tough to judge. I mean, you might have a younger younger children or maybe children in college, and uh, they're doing great. But things change in people's lives. And putting provisions that you're going to give outright gifts out of trust when they're 30 or they're 40 or they're 50, people always ask us, what do you think the right number is? And many times our our advice is that there is really no – perfect number or age. It really depends on education and, and knowing that individual. But many times keeping that in trust is, is a good idea. And creating different provisions or guardrails like you talked about earlier in the podcast um, to promote good decision making. Or if it's a goal for that person to work um, and then have some sort of matching benefit. We've seen that a lot or having a portion of income or portion of the gain in that to be put towards a charitable cause. So I think where we see most unintended consequences that happen is they give too much, maybe too early, or in an outright fashion, and then there is no education or a family mission or anything for um, that client to be, to continue to, or that individual to continue to be a good steward of that family wealth.
1: So what I love that you said, so I, many years ago, started designing my trust to be life trust in a way that I call one, because keeping things in trust provides asset protection in a whole lot of ways. But I one day thought, why do we sit here and discuss with our clients? Well, you know, their kids are three years old and five years old, and we're like, well, do you want to distribute one third at 30, one third at 35 and one third at 40? And then after years of practice, one too many times, the distribution goes to the beneficiary and the spouse files for divorce the next day or they celebrate their inheritance. They go out and they're at fault in the car wreck and kill somebody. Right. And I thought, oh, I am tired of watching distributions go away like that. So you can keep it in trust and you can create significant access to the assets, but keep that asset protection in place another comment you made that i want you to elaborate on is the issue of creating good stewards of wealth for generations to come that does matter to a lot of family mem- to a lot of families that we work with so what are the safeguards or education that can be provided with mm-hmm. the planning
3: to assist with that so i, I wanted to touch to you on the the largest creditor many people think it's a credit card or some person that you have debt with it's a spouse that's the largest creditor so you have to be very um, very careful about that
1: and which state you live in and which state (laughs) you live
3: in Uh, so keeping things in trust is I think a a really important thing um, to think about and especially when you add a layer with a corporate trustee that can read the intentions of the the trust or if there's a a letter that the grantors have created to give guidance to that trustee in the future uh, it can, it can help uh, avoid those unintended consequences. So um, back to your point. So what education is super helpful? And what time is it right to start talking to your kids? Um, we're doing a meeting here in just a few weeks from now. We're meeting with a client. This is Gen, Gen, I would, Gen 4 now. And so they've got uh, uh, twins that are going to college, and they're starting this fall. Uh, the twins are beneficiaries of trust the mom and dad are beneficiaries of trusts this is wealth that's been created a long time ago so continuing to educate back to that first wealth creator in the family what was important to them what are the decisions that they made that were really really good and let's learn together what they could have done differently Um, having having the Uh, family or that future beneficiary to be able to see what projections look out in the future. What can they do? It's not a decision that someone else has made for them. What can they do with their own decisions and the wealth that's going, that they either have or future beneficiary of so that they can look out into the future. If they spend all that now, what is that? What are they giving up? What are the trade-offs? Another piece of just educating on what's there already is also thinking about a a charitable cause or what's the family's mission. So I think it's really educating on what the overall family mission is, knowing that each one of those beneficiaries or individuals should have their own passion or their own mission as well. So pairing that together, being good stewards of the wealth that they've had, and how can they learn from the wealth that was created follow their passion and mission so that they can create that for the next generation.
1: I'm going to tell you that I like the way you responded to that question enough that I'm going to ask you back to just have, do a whole episode. I think this is such an important topic that we can break out that question into a whole episode if you're open to that. But I want to just ask you, because we are out of time, whether you have any last thoughts, I'd like to ask you to make a key point or offer, you know, a best tip or something for those that have listened today to think about?
3: Well, this went fast, Mary, so we must have been having a little bit of fun talking about all this. Um, Best thoughts, you know, everyone has goals that are different. Um, We could all sit down with the best counsel like you and good tax strategy and come up with the best way to pass the most wealth on, but it might not marry up with all of the goals and the complexities of that family. So although we've talked about a lot of unique strategies, let's just think about the steps that it takes to build that foundation, and then you can go pair the different strategies to make the best decision for your family. And then lastly, education is tough. Uh, It's hard for people to talk directly to their family, and sometimes using an intermediary or even sometimes a counselor to be able to have those discussions or a trusted advisor team to help lead those meetings so that there's a focused time that's there, whether that's once a year or four times a year, be thinking about how to start those conversations earlier than later.
1: Well, I want to thank you for being here today. And it was fun. And hopefully our listeners enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. As we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans Victory and Business Centers, and Carson Private Client. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases.
0: Vandenack Weaver Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you. May
2: have a Media Production.